you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. A little bit will be reading, beginning with verse 10. See, the title for the sermon today is Armor for Church Members. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. Now, most of the time we don't think about that. Most of the time we aren't even conscious that we live in a spiritual realm as well as in a physical realm. Because most of our intention is just focused as human beings on the, the physical part of our surroundings, the material part of our surroundings. But that's not the only place we live. We live in the, physical, in the spiritual realm as well. And in that spiritual realm, there's a great war going on. It's a war that's been going on from the beginning. It's the war of light against darkness, of truth against falsehood, of good against evil, of God against Satan. And it's just as real a war as the physical war in Afghanistan is. It's a real battle, and the stakes are higher. Now, when we start talking about going to war against Satan, then you know, a lot of Americans have problem with that. Surveys have shown that about 60% of Americans don't really think that the devil is a personal spiritual being, but that he's just a symbol of evil. And yet he is just a, as real as Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, except he is more determined to do us harm and destroy us. Someone has said that one of Satan's cleverest tricks is to get us to think that he's not real. Someone else said that Satan may be out of fashion, but he's not out of business. I like what uh, Billy Sunday said, an, an evangelist from the early 20th century. He said, I believe in the existence of Satan for two reasons. One, because the Bible tells me that it's so. And the other is because I've done business with him. We've done business with him, haven't we? We've been tempted by him. Sometimes we've given in to his temptation. Sometimes we've felt his oppression. Sometimes we've heard in our minds his accusations that, that tear us down. We've probably done business with him. So we're at war. And as someone at war, we must be prepared for that war. Now, when our soldiers go to war, they go prepared. They've got their helmet and their body armor. They've got their boots. They've got their weapon. And, and that's the kind of things you would use in a physical war. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote Ephesians, was in prison, probably chained to a Roman soldier. So he had a pretty good idea of what a Roman soldier dressed like, how a Roman soldier was armed for battle. And Remember now, at that time, the Romans had the most powerful army in the world, the best equipped army, the best trained army. They were without equal. And so as he saw this Roman soldier, he looked at each part of his equipment, of his battle gear, and he used that to remind us what we need to put on in our lives to be able to fight in the spiritual war. So let's look at this passage of Scripture, keeping in mind what Paul is talking about here. Beginning with verse 10, he says, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we were to put on our gospel armor, I guess we could call it, each and every day. And we put that on through prayer. And first of all, we put on the helmet of salvation. Now, unless you've got the helmet of salvation, you're not equipped to go to battle at all because you haven't really taken the salvation that God wants to give you, the eternal life that He wants to give you. You haven't really joined forces with Him. You're on the wrong side. You're on the losing side. So first of all, you take the salvation that God offers you, and then once you're His follower, once you've enlisted in His army, then you put on this helmet of salvation, and this helmet of salvation means that you have God's eternal life and that you're part of His family. And so as you put on your garment each day, then you thank God that you are His child, that you belong to Him, and you praise God for eternal life. For when you receive Him as Savior, that's what He's done for you. And you claim the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians reminds us that we have the mind of Christ, that we have the attitude of Christ, that we think like Christ so that we might live like Christ. Another passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, reminds us of this. Let me read that for you. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we begin to think like Christ. And we allow Christ to be in control of our thoughts. And we give Him permission to do that. So we put on the helmet of salvation. Then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, that, that was somewhat like a bulletproof vest. They didn't have bullets back then. But it, you know, it was the same sort of idea. And it was something that covered the, the, you know, the heart of the soldier. The inner parts. It has to do with protecting our will so that we will to do the right things. And of course it has something to do with righteousness because it's the breastplate of righteousness. God is a righteous, holy God. And He expects us of His followers to be righteous as well. And so in our prayer, then we're working with the idea of this righteousness. 
So we ask God to search our hearts and to reveal anything that shouldn't be there. From Psalm 139, 23 and 24, the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my innermost being, he's saying. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we, in our prayer, as we're putting on our armor each morning, we say, God, you show me where I have sinned. You show me where I have fallen far apart from where you want me to be. You reveal things about me that I might ever get unless you showed them to me. And then when God shows us that sin, then we confess that sin. And if we confess our sin, we have a marvelous promise. The promise is from John, 1 John. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When God reveals our sins to us, that doesn't mean He's trying to put us down. He's just trying to get us in the place where we can confess those sins, have them removed, not have to carry the burden of them any longer. And then He gives us the opportunity to claim Christ's righteousness. God gives us the righteousness of Christ. We don't manufacture our own righteousness. Christ's righteousness is counted as our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness and then we put on the belt of truth. Truth as opposed to falsehood. Truth for what is real instead of what is false. Truth that has to do with our integrity and how we live. Now, in that time when the, the Roman soldier would put on that belt as a big wide belt, it helped hold the breastplate in place. It strengthened the back and it gave a place to hang the sword and any other th armor that he might be carrying around. So it, it was an essential part. And this is something that needs to be part of our armor. And so since it's the belt of truth, we try to be true to ourselves and true to God. We try to be true to ourselves and true to God. For me personally, it was a, a, a great relief and, and being able to tap into a deeper relationship with God and knowing how to better to claim God's power when I realized that you come before God Himself and you're just truthful about what you really think and about what you really feel. It don't mean you have the right to always insist on your own way, but it means you just open yourself to God. God, this is what I think about this. God, this is how I'm feeling right now. He knows it anyhow, but when you open up and express that to Him, that just opens the lines of communication with Him, that it makes it possible for the relationship that you have with Him to be deepened, to grow, to become more rich. You're true to, true to yourself what you're really thinking and feeling, and you're true to God about that. You know, He made us. He's lived among us. He knows what it's like to be human.
So it's perfectly all right to express our human desires, longings, frustrations, angers to God because it brings us closer to Him. And then hold to the truth. You know, there's a lot of foolishness going around today about the truth. You know, there, there's a, an idea that's prevalent in our society today, gets taught at our universities, is there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, no. They're, they're, what's true for you may not be true for me, and who's to say what truth is? People that get that idea today think, man, I'm really current. I'm up with the greatest thinking you know, of the time. I'm going somewhere. Guess what? When Jesus was standing before Pilate, Pilate had the same attitude. Jesus said, I came to bear witness to the truth, and Pilate said, what is truth? Who can know? There's no current idea. It's an idea that Satan's been using for 2,000 years and more. You see, Satan has always tried to discredit the Word of God to get us to doubt that the Word of God is the truth. And you need to hold on to the truth. Don't let him take it away from you. If you want to know what truth is, you come to the revealed truth that God has given us in his Word. Hold on to the truth. And then part of that is mastering your emotions. You know, we get upset with things. We get angry with things. We get aggravated with things. We get upset and angry and aggravated with people. Remember something. Look at verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not to be at war with each other. Look how down through the centuries, when the church starts to make some advance for God, Satan comes in and tries to get them to be at war with each other. That's just one of his tactics. He's used it over and over, and he'll keep on using it. Why? Because we let it work. We forget that our struggle is not against each other. It's against the forces of wickedness. It's against Satan himself. What happens when a, when a battalion starts firing on one another? going to be heavy casualties. We talk about friendly fire. Well, the trouble is, sometimes in the church, we aim friendly fire to one another and it's not too friendly. So we have to master our emotions. We have to keep them in check. It's all right to have them. Just don't let them be ruled by Satan. And don't let them be ruled by the ways of the world. Let them be ruled by the Spirit of Christ. Then there's the gospel shoes. You know, soldiers have combat boots today. Roman soldiers had uh, sandals. They laced high up the legs. They had nails in the bottom of them so they, when the Roman soldiers took their stand, they could stand there. Paul says, put on the shoes of the gospel, the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Hey, the gospel's good news. It's the good news about what God did when He gave His one and only Son to be sacrificed on the cross. The Sunday school class this morning, the teacher was talking about you know, the example of God's giving, and he said God had one Son, and what did He do? He gave Him. 
God is a generous, giving God. He gave Christ so that we could be forgiven of our sins and could have eternal life. And it's the gospel of peace. We have peace with God because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Not at war with Him any longer. We have peace within and we can have peace with one another because we're all worshiping and following the same God. So what do we do with this? It means that we're prepared. We ask God to prepare us to be able to share that good news of Jesus. We then go out and we share it. We look for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. We're sensitive to what's going on in their lives, sensitive to the situations around us, so that when the Spirit prompts us, we have the opportunity to give a testimony. We have an opportunity to share a scripture verse. We have an opportunity to give a word of encouragement. We share the good news. And then we also intercede for the lost. Part of the witness is praying for the lost. But you have a prayer list not written down at least mentally, you probably pray for the same people and the same things a, a lot of different times. Are there any lost people on that prayer list? There should be. You know, we are to pray for the lost, and when you pray for the lost, you're praying the will of God. You know, Simon Peter said that God wants all to come to repentance. Paul wrote to Timothy and said God wants all to be saved. You're praying in line with the Word of God when you're praying for people to come to know Him and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So you intercede for the lost. Then you take the shield of faith. Roman shield was wood. Sometimes it was covered with leather. Sometimes before a battle, they would soak it in water because in warfare at that time, they would dip arrows and pitch, set them on fire and shoot them. So if you had a, a big shield and it was a little bit damp when that arrow hit it, it would be extinguished. Satan shoots his arrows at us. And we're to have the shield of faith so that we can stand that attack. So we claim the victory of faith. John 5, 4 reminds us that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The world there being the, the evil, sinful world. It's through faith that we have the victory. We trust that God is going to ultimately win. We trust that God is going to be with us. We trust that God is going to strengthen us. We have that kind of faith. And then we advance in faith. When the Roman soldiers would come and stand shoulder to shoulder and they had those big shields that were as tall as they were in front of them and they would keep their swords and their spears pointed forward, you know, they could move into an opposing force and most of the time make mincemeat out of them. Advance in the faith. In other words, you put feet to your prayers. You move forward. James says faith without works is dead. Doesn't amount to anything. We're supposed to be living out our faith, advancing in our faith. Not only is it protection, but it helps us move forward. And then there is the sword of the Spirit. Now that's, you know, Soldier today has a rifle. Back then, soldiers had a sword. Grasp the sword. Hold on to it. It's a defensive weapon. The Word of God is a defensive weapon because the Word of God is our sword. Remember when Jesus was tempted, went out of the wilderness, was there 40 days and 40 nights and tempted of Satan? And every time Satan came to him to tempt him with something, Satan quoted Scripture to him. 
You see, Satan knows the Scripture. But what did Jesus do? He quoted other Scripture back. It was his defensive weapon. But it is also our offensive weapon that helps us to move forward. See, I've got those reversed. The offensive weapon, the verse is from Hebrews chapter 12. It reminds us the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, it cuts down so that what we really are can be exposed so that God can deal with it. So it helps people come to an understanding of who they are and why they need God. Grasp the sword. Grasp the Word. Let the Holy Spirit use it. You share it. The Holy Spirit uses it to touch people's lives with it. It's not you trying to win an argument. It's you sharing and the Holy Spirit convicting. And then pray on the basis of the Word. You remember last week when we were doing the prayer cards? And I asked you to write down that passage from Colossians, you know, to pray these things for the people on your prayer card. In doing that, you're praying on the basis of the Word. And so you pray what's in the Word of God back to God, and you know that's what God wants prayed. And you know that what God wants for that person's life. So you pray on the basis of the Word. We stand and win in God's mighty power. If you look at that passage, notice what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord, it says in verse 10, and in His mighty power. It's not our mighty power. We can't win over Satan in our own strength. You think you can put out a forest fire with a squirt gun? You think you can kill a lion with a fly swatter? That's how far your strength goes. We don't fight spiritual battles in our strength. We fight spiritual battles in God's strength. We seek to be strong in His mighty power. Remember back when we were looking at uh, Ephesians 3, and we looked at Paul's great prayer there in Ephesians 3, and he said in verse 16, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. God strengthens us with power in our inner beating. We depend on God's strength to be able to stand. Ken Crockett tells the story of many years ago when, you know, people traveled out through the rural areas, you know, that have buses that would come along. And I'm not talking about Greyhound-type buses. I'm talking about kind of like school bus-type buses, except think 50 years ago or more. Uh, bumpy roads, there, there was a minister sitting on the bus, and there was a college student on the way, well, a freshman on the way to college for the first time. And they had evidently changed a little bit of small talk. And so, you know, the minister was sitting there reading his Bible. The college student was sitting there. And the uh, minister just looked up and cut out of the blue, said, Son, are you prepared for the temptations you're going to face when you get to college? And the young man said, Yeah, I think so. I've, I've got a good bit of willpower. And the minister took out his pencil and he stood it up on his Bible 
And he said, do you think I can make this pencil stand up on this Bible as we're riding along in this bus? And the boy said, well, I won't believe it unless I see it. And he said, well, I'm doing it. And the young man said, well, you're holding on to it. You didn't tell me that. And he said, I didn't need to tell you that. He said, after all, you know, we're riding along on a rough road in a bumpy old bus. And he let go of the pencil. Of course, it bounced off and fell into the floor. And the, uh, uh, then the minister said to the young man, as you let God hold on to you, you can stand. We must let God hold on to us. We're not strong in our own strength. We're strong in God's mighty power. So today, God is telling us, we've got to fight spiritual battles. It's just part of life. It's going on. You can't avoid it. It's there. He's reminding us that we must be properly equipped with all of the gospel armor to be able to stand our ground. And he reminds us that we can only stand in our own strength. I mean, in his strength. It can't be ours. It has to be his. So each day, recognize that you're a soldier for the Lord. You get up first thing every morning, remember, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm a soldier for the Lord. Arm yourself for the battle by putting on your spiritual armor. How do you put it on? You pray it on. Remember those things we've just said? And then you stand in God's strength. Not in your own, but in His. This morning, you need to come to God and say, Lord, I need your strength. I'm facing a challenge. I'm facing a difficulty. I'm facing an opportunity. I need your strength. I can't figure out what to do. I don't have the power, the resources to meet this. I need your strength. And you will come and ask for God's strength. Say, Lord, I'm one of your soldiers. I need the equipment. I need the strength. I need the direction. He wants to give it to you. Jokingly said this morning about something in the welcome time about enlisting. But maybe you do need to enlist in the Lord's army. Guess whose army is ultimately going to be victorious? God's. Guess whose forces are ultimately going to be defeated? Satan's. Don't you want to be on the winning side? You need to come today. If you've never done so, would take the helmet of salvation so that you might have eternal life. Be a part of God's family. Be on the winning side for all eternity. If you would move your membership to this church. Invitation hymn this morning is number 456. Won't you respond as the Spirit of God leads you?